Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. I am your host, Laura Reeves. Here at the Good Dog Pod, we are all about supporting dog breeders and responsible dog ownership. We provide dog lovers with the latest updates in canine health and veterinary care, animal legislation and legal advocacy, canine training and behavior science, and dog breeding practices. Subscribe and join our mission today to help give our dogs the world they deserve. We are here at the Clumber Spaniel Club of America National Specialty in Portland, Oregon, and I am joined by three longtime Clumber Spaniel owners, breeders, exhibitors, a couple judges, a veterinarian, and we are going to talk about Clumber Spaniels. Good, the bad, and the ugly, as they say. So I have Jan Sutherland, I have Roe Froman, and we have Jim Fankhauser. And I'm going to give everybody an opportunity to introduce themselves, a little bit about your time in the breed, and we'll go from there. So, Jan, let's start with you. Okay. Jan Sutherland, been in the breed for about 25 years, and now I am the president of the Clumber Spaniel Club of America. Got into the breed because my husband found this breed. After having Goldens, he found the clumber and fell in love. And when he got his clumber, I just had to have one for myself. So started going to the nationals where a lot of clumbers there, a lot of breeders talking to the breeders. I saw something in one of the clumbers. That was the clumber I wanted. Talked to the breeder. And from there on, I've been breeding clumbers for 25 years. And I'm a judge now. Excellent. Ro? Hi, I'm Ro Froman and I am a veterinarian since 1990. And have had clumber spaniels since 94. For 20 years before that, we had chow chows. We did a 180, and I know that's a real radical departure. I actually didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, we did. And I finally, we were at our last chow, and I said to my husband, you know, honey, I want a dog I don't have to put in the bedroom when the pizza guy comes anymore. And I've always liked those clumbers. So we contacted a couple breeders, and we're fortunate to meet Jan Freese, who started us with our first two dogs. And we haven't looked back. They are the one true breed for us, and I don't think we'll ever have anything else. Excellent. And Mr. Fankhauser. I'm Jim Fankhauser. I've been in Clumber Spaniels now for about 24 years. I judge working in sporting groups, uh, working on the herding group right now. I've been breeding them now since 97, so about 20 years. I've had the good fortune to have judged the national specialty twice. I've also had a couple of dogs that won the national specialty that I bred. It's been a wonderful breed. I enjoy it tremendously. I have no interest in any other breed at this point in time. And you started in St. Bernard's, correct? I started as a 20-year-old kid in St. Bernard's, showed and exhibited those, and did a little bit of breeding for probably about eight years. And then when my wife and I met, we thought that there were better places for our time, our money, and our efforts than dog shows. So we took about a 13-year hiatus. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then came back in. I'm also considered a breeder judge for St. Mm-hmm. Bernard's, so mm-hmm. I get the opportunity to judge probably about one specialty a year for that breed. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And my family got our first Clumber Spaniel in 1980, I think-ish, mm-hmm. 81 maybe. So this has been my national for longer than anything else, and I am very excited about this opportunity to talk about a breed that has been an enormous part of my life. So, a relative. Yes, Absolutely. Part of the family. Definitely. This is my family right here. (laughs) And I think that's one of the things that we can talk a little bit about. Jan touched on it, 
is that national specialties are a family reunion. They are an opportunity to see your people. And just like any family reunion, there's always that one cousin Jimmy that you can just avoid. (laughs) And there's always your one favorite uncle that you have to go and give a great big hug and a kiss to. And there's always your besties and your sort of sister brother people. You know, that is what national specialties are. And they are the same in every breed. As a handler, I've been to a lot of nationals in my own breed, wire-haired pointers and clumbers, all of this. It's always the same. And it is so important for anyone who has just started in a breed to go to national specialties. I agree. To attend a national specialty before you even make the plunge. Look at the extent of what's out there before you jump in and make the commitment. Right. We're going to talk about this. Clumbers are not the breed for everyone. That is true. So let's start with living with clumbers. Okay, living with clumbers, well, you have to be able to deal with lots of hair. My husband says 13 (laughs) months out of the year they shed. So you have to be able to deal with that. And you have to be able to deal with slime, slobber, drinking water, and spreading it throughout the house. But on the upside of that, as many people have talked to me about, they are so funny. They do so many hilarious things that keep you smiling. You can come home from work after having a bad, bad day, and you open up the door, and here's this ball of fuzz with a toy in their mouth, and their butt's going everywhere, not to give you the toy, just to show you the toy, (laughs) you know, and it just brings a smile to your face, you know, and they do so many fun things that other dogs, I had Goldens, have never brought to our life, so... You have to live with the slime, the slobber, mud sometimes. Uh, <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on where you live. Right. But with all that, it's so worthwhile. Rob? The same thing. Shedding, slobber, snoring is the yes, big one. Oh, I, I know a dog that the owners adored her, but she slept in the garage because they didn't like that she snored. They're not garage dogs. They're not yeah. kennel dogs. They're house pets. They need to be part of your family. So it's important to know the downside of a breed when you're considering adding a family member because it helps you to know what health issues maybe you're going to be facing. Maybe you can deal with an idea of some disease, but like a back would be too much for some people. Don't get a dachshund and probably don't get a clumber. They've gotten a lot better, but that's a known health issue. We're going to definitely Mm -hmm. go into that more for sure. Yeah, but they are the most loving, funny, humorous characters of dogs that I have ever known. They're all individuals. My 10-month-old puppy can drive me crazy, but I wouldn't trade her for a million dollars. So (laughs) they are just the best dog you will ever have if you are a clumber person. (laughs) We need to identify what that is. So So Jim, talk some more about a clumber person. Who is a clumber person? What is a great clumber owner? Somebody that's tolerant of hair, slobber, I always say, and I have a pair of navy sweatpants on today, but black is a non-existent color in my wardrobe. Just doesn't work for me. A clumber person, somebody that's got to have that attitude that you can come home every day and the good, the bad, and deal with it. They are naughty at times. They can be over rambunctious. They can get into things. I remember Ricky Blackman telling me, a clumber spaniel can walk by something for six months and ignore it, and then one day walk by it and go, 
I've got to destroy yeah. that. I'll eat that. Yeah. <laughs> Chewing is a huge thing um, for owners to be aware of. Eating and things. ingesting eating, things. Yep. Yes. That is the biggest thing. It's How many stomach thing. surgeries have you had? We've At had least one. Six. Yep. <laughs> You've had six. You're the winner. Yeah. And I'm the vet and we've had one. <laughs> I've had three. Yeah. I had one where we just hydrated him yep. to the point it pushed it out. But then he ate something again. And he well, still had to have surgery. The way I explain it to people that are new clumber owners, when you go to your veterinarian, tell your vet they are worse than Labradors about eating things, and your vet will understand. Still because labs are supposed to be the worst. I still hand out your vet letter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vet we have that for a reason. With, with every, with every yeah. You know what? I don't know that we have that in the vet letter. I did just revise it, and I may have put it in there. Okay. It's one of the biggest health issues, really, is Absolutely. eating things they should Look at Pat and Linda so. Frazier's. The deep mm-hmm. dog that had should have had a zipper. Vet, yeah, yeah, their vet said they were going to put a zipper because yep. he had seven surgeries yeah. alone. That one yeah. dog, the winner. Yeah, yeah. Winner. and it comes to the point where I had one more surgeries can't be done. Four. Some yes. surgeries, so, yeah. yeah. And then the last yeah. one, we just you just yeah. can't. We can't he ate do his it first anymore. rock at my house. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I always tell people. Give them whatever you're going to give them, but yeah. until you trust them, and it may take a year before you trust them, supervise. Yep. Yes. Supervise, Always. supervise, yep. supervise until they, you're completely believable. Yeah. In yep. them. They can go out in the yard, and you never see a, a glove, and I'm going like, we don't have one of those. <laughs> really I've found never. a hat at the motel on the way out to the Nationals. <laughs> I'm like, what have you got? So, it's a hat. Yes. <laughs> so you can supervise them, and that's what you try to do, but some of them... They're sneaky. They're, yep. Yeah. <laughs> And they're persistent. They are some of the most persistent dogs I have ever known. Mm-hmm. They don't yeah. ever forget. Good, bad, yes. or otherwise, yes. if something happens, they will remember it for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories, and I don't know who it was, but it's a true story. Somebody was driving somewhere, and they came to a rest area, and they realized they had hit a pheasant on the road, and the clumber ran to the front bumper and found the pheasant in the grill. The rest of his life, every time he got out of the car, he ran to the front bumper. Look at for a pheasant. Yeah. This is a great yeah. segue. Clumber Spaniels are hunting dogs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. They are excellent hunting dogs. Mm-hmm. They are, as my father, who was one of these, the would groove. describe them. Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, they are the fat old man's hunting dog. That was how my father, oh. who was at that time a fat old man and said so himself, and yeah. you go out in the field and you see I a lot of things. I taught in vet school. <laughs> what they actually taught us in vet school, which was before I had a clumber and hadn't really known about them, was they are the cardiac patients. That <laughs> I will respectfully disagree with that as yeah. a field person. Yeah. <laughs> but they are a breed that is slow. They are thorough. They will find birds yeah. that other dogs They're miss. methodical. Yeah. Methodical. Very methodical. And it's not that they don't run. Yeah. It's that they are so insistent. So speak to clumber spaniels and hunting with clumber spaniels. Love hunting with clumber spaniels. I don't know how many hunt test legs we've put on our dogs. Many, many, many. For 20 years we've been doing this. It's the most fun I think we can have with our dogs anyway. We love it. They love it. I love it the first few times we go out with new groups of guys to train. Years ago we were training a dog who was a really good, Tilly was a Mm -hmm. really good hunting dog. Yeah, and we train, and it was a lot of meat guys. You know, they wanted their backyard dog go out and hunt in the fall and have fun with them. And Tilly was a typical clumber, took her time, hunt, 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 find the bird, put it up, great, we're done, bring it in, okay. But hit a cripple over her, and that dog changed gears. And every time it happened, I loved it, because all their jaws would drop, and they always did the same thing. Damn, I didn't know that dog could move that fast. (laughs) So they do exactly what they need to do to get the job done. Mm -hmm. And if they don't think it's done and you do, 
tough noogies they're still hunting so yeah and clumber spaniels are a flushing spaniel for people who don't know the distinction they flush they work find it flush it fetch it correct and they swim one of the things that was my job as a child was to teach them how to swim (laughs) because the very first clumber we ever had the first time he went in the water he went to the bottom and went straight down he was underwater and we're standing there on the dock like (laughs) what are you doing to come up what are you doing (laughs) we had to go get him So as a child, I was paid minimum wage to go into the scummy cow ponds with the clumbers, hold their bottoms up, and teach their little back legs how to work. work. There's Uh, an easier way. You can just throw bumpers until they get it in their mouth, and then they level out. These were not genius. This is from a person who doesn't have a kid. Exactly. So it is something to know about clumbers. Jim, your experience also? Well, I don't personally hunt, but I have had the good fortune of putting a number of dogs in the homes of guys mm-hmm. that actually hunt them. They've never yep. been to a hunt test, but right. they yep. take them out and they actually hunt right. them. Yep. Mark Schaefus has been great in that respect. Uh, Mark yeah. has gotten like five dogs from me, and every one of them hunts. He yep. had one that was his duck retrieving dog, and it would amaze the guys at the hunt club because avalanche could go out and get a duck and bring it in. And the one that I always remember, and I think it is consistent, you guys can tell me, but consistent across the breed. Do you remember the shark? My father had a clumber spanning, one of our very first clumbers, and he said she swam like a great white shark, silent but deadly, and (laughs) she would bring in a bird that had flushed and was alive when she went to get it, but was miraculously dead. (laughs) When it arrived back, and he used to say that she smothered them with a velvet pillow. (laughs) But clumbers have really strong jaws, and they apply very even pressure, yep. and they don't break they don't, the skin. Not There's no on. guts, <laughs> but they're not breathing. No, my husband and I have just recently gotten into hunting, mm-hmm. and the people that we are hunting with had misgivings about the clumber. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're slow dogs. They don't move at all. And we have changed their minds yeah. completely. My husband's working with a almost three-year-old, mm-hmm. And at first, he was not into it. Now, something clicks in their brain, yes. and that's all he thinks about. Where's the bird? Where's the bird? Born to do it. Absolutely. Born to do they it. really yeah. are. I mean, this is an old breed that's been hunting for a very long time. They were exactly. designed to hunt through the hedgerows. And that heavy head and the skin and the eyes, all of that was so they could get under the birds. They go through. They don't mm-hmm. go around. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. I tell Bulldozers. people they're the Humvee of the Spaniels. When we first got our clumber, we had perfectly groomed backyard with bushes. <laughs> As we all just laugh. <laughs> and that's it didn't part of get, defining a clumber that, family. Yes. You can't, can't be house proud. You can't, can't be, be yard proud. proud. Yeah. No, because they just went through the bushes, and mm-hmm. pretty soon yeah. there were no bushes. No more bushes. <laughs> if they didn't dig them out, they, they ate them. Ate them. <laughs> So you have to understand that do you want a perfectly groomed backyard or front yard? Or do you want a clumber? Or do you want a clumber? (laughs) So we talked a little bit earlier about the vetting of clumbers. And clumbers were a breed, like many, that were nearly destroyed during World War II. So a very small gene pool brought back to existence. So they do have some issues. So let's talk a little bit about some of what you can run into with a clumber. Neck and back issues are certainly right up there. I think it's improved a lot over the 20 years that we've been working hard on them. Hip dysplasia is always cited, but honestly, as a veterinarian and a breeder for a long time, a lot of clumbers have bad hip films, but not functionally bad hips. There certainly are some that can have issues. 
But a lot of dogs, if you put up the radiograph and it was a Rottweiler or a German Shepherd or Golden Retriever, the dog would be crippled. And the dog is out there doing open obedience jumps. Jumping no problems, into the back of Not the having an issue. So it's something to be aware of, but it's not really detrimental to the brain. So intervertebral disc disease, backs mm-hmm. and necks is probably number one. Hemangiosarcoma, tumors of the spleen, can be a problem. More so a little bit in our breed than numerically you would expect. Okay. Autoimmune mediated Huge. hemolytic anemia is still Huge. a problem. And I list them that way because these are the things that can take a dog down fast or cause significant financial issues for owners if it can be treated at all. Hips can be managed. Backs and necks can be treated. Surgically can be done a lot better than it used to be, but it's expensive. So if you're going to have a clumber or multiple clumbers, pet insurance is a really good thing to think about. I don't have it because I kind of self-insure. But I've had dogs that have needed $6,000 orthopedic surgeries, too, and I self-insure. So we have a credit card specifically for the dogs. We need it sometimes. So they're worth every penny of it, but they're not an inexpensive breed either. So Don't think you have to be to rich be to have a dog, mm-hmm. but you have to be responsible. You have to know those things might occur. And again, eating things they shouldn't is number one number on the one, list. Yeah. More so yeah, than anything else. Than anything across else. Across the breed, that's what I see as a yeah, big Yeah, and it can yeah. go... All ages. Mm-hmm. It's not just for no, the young. Not just puppies. Yeah. Not just puppies. No. Sometimes they get it into their mind that that's what they have to do. And six, seven, eight, Harley was nine, ten. I lost a 10-year-old bitch who decided to eat carpet fibers at 10 years old. Had never eaten anything in her life. I yeah. don't know why. And we lost her to it. Yeah. Yeah. I know a lot of dogs. Jim, other things that you can think of? Well, of course, we have PDP-1 in our breed. Thank you. That's right. Yeah. And... It's a enzyme deficiency where the dogs basically shut down from exercise intolerance. I happen to be the breeder of the dog that had that in my very first litter, a litter that I co-bred with my longtime mentor, Jan Fries. And neither one of us had ever heard of it before, had never had any experience with it before. And we did this breeding to two dogs and we had it. And a gentleman by the name of Ron Porras literally bulldogged this disease and its treatment and its founding all the way through a multiple sense of universities. And they eventually found a test for it yeah. that, we can, that we can gene, now. So. It's a simple yep. recessive gene. We were lucky yep. at that time, I think, that when they did the DNA bank, that 23% of the clumbers were carrying that gene. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. It, it was, was really close to becoming epidemic. And again, there were two litters that were born at about the relatively the same time, pups from both of those. So that's an issue, but it's manageable. We know how mm-hmm. to deal with it. We have a small gene pool, so it's it's important to keep our carriers active because we have such a small gene pool. And there's no reason to not breed a carrier as long as you know that it is. You um, have to breed it to a clear You have to breed it to a clear. And I advocate also that we should be testing every dog, even if it came from a clear to a clear breeding. I don't know if there's ever going to be a genetic mutation in this or if there's just a mistake somewhere in somebody's paperwork or whatever. Every dog that I put into the breeding program has a hard test assay run on it, even if it's a clear to clear. And I think that's a really good idea. OFA will register clear by parentage for one generation. 
So if both parents have tested clear and they're bred together, they will register the offspring as clear. clear. They will not do it a second generation for exactly yeah. that reason. Okay, good. It to was know. a genetic sport at some point. That gene popped up somewhere. Right. Mm-hmm. Who's to say it couldn't pop up again? So I think that that's I don't a want really to be the, wise I don't want to be the guy that's the oops. At <laughs> exactly. Some point. Yeah. yeah. I bred yeah. two clears together. They you should know, be they fine. They should be so, fine. Yeah. They should be fine. Yeah, but, but nice to tested. know they are Test. fine. And Test. actually, many labs run testing for PDP-1. Just recently, University of Missouri did a lot of them for a long time. OFA is now doing that testing. And the benefit to the club from that, A, their paperwork is really simple and much easier to access and understand. And this is just a cheek swab, right? Your DNA? It's a cheek swab. Yep. And the benefit now, if OFA runs the test it automatically goes into the chick database. Nice. So the owner doesn't have to forward the certificate from another lab like they had to do. So that should help our chick numbers go up Mm -hmm. as well. You still, if you get a test done at a different lab, if you prefer a different lab, that's fine. But then as an owner, you have to send that paperwork to OFA to get it submitted into the chick database. Okay, excellent. So those are wonderful things to know about the breed. Especially if you're looking for one, you want to look at all the different health clearances yep. of the parents that you're buying the puppies. The Parent Club website has breeder's guidelines, what to look for when you're buying a puppy, information about the breed. That is a source of information that can't be beat. Absolutely. And yeah. we will provide links on our website yep. to take you to, to, to that, that information right. yep. for sure. And the Health Foundation And, as and well. we will be talking yep. to Roe a little bit later about the yep. Clumber Health Foundation. And ask those breeders when you're calling and talking to them about those health clearances. Yep. Any breeder that's not going to openly talk to you about health clearances, I'd kind of stay a little clear of them. Yep. I've always said if you talk to a breeder and they say, oh, we don't have any health problems, run. <laughs> because run either far. they're not looking or they're not telling. And yes. either one is not a good situation. Right. And I wanted to bring up one other thing, and I'm not, I mean, I haven't had a litter in the house for years, but I know that entropia has always been, Yep. and mm-hmm. now this isn't a life-threatening, No. Yeah. right? But it's something yeah. to be aware still of. still annoying, and it's still expensive to fix, fix. so, yeah. And a lot of times, even if your dogs don't have it, a veterinarian yes. that you go to will look at eyes that we would normally pass and say, they're okay. Mm-hmm. They'll tell the new owner you have to have eye surgery, your dog is going to go blind. The conformation of the eyelid in the clumber spaniel is different than many other dogs. And that V-shaped lower lid drives regular vets nuts. They don't understand they're supposed to look like that. I think clumbers are a breed, and this is my assessment, you guys tell me what you think, but my opinion is clumbers are a breed in which your breeder is really important. And if your breeder is someone who's been doing it like these guys for a very long time, they probably know at least as much as your own personal veterinarian who's yeah. never seen a clumber spaniel. You're I'm sorry, veterinarians out there listening. They're not mad. I guess a good analogy is I went to a conference once, and it was the Parent Club Health Conference, and one of the guys there was speaking about thyroid issues, mm-hmm. and he said, your vet doesn't understand thyroid issues. Don't listen to what your vet says. And I went up to him afterwards and I said, you know, Dr. Neckreiner, some of us understand thyroid and looked at me funny. And I said, because you trained some of us, meaning myself. And then he started laughing. I went to another ophthalmology talk and he said, you guys have never seen this breed before. And he was talking about way excessive facial folds and the brow being too excessive in the surgery to fix it. And I said, you know, I raised those dogs. So, yeah. <laughs> right. yes. so some of us do. 
But really, they're so rare, with 3,000 maybe in the country, a lot of vets just haven't seen them to know. So a good vet should be open to your information that you will bring from your breeder and and your parent club. Then run. Then find another vet. Find another vet. Talk to people in your area that have clumbers and find out who they use. Absolutely. Being part of the parent club, you get a lot of resources and networking. So you'll find people in your area that have clumbers. And if that person doesn't know, they know somebody else that does. Big community online. Yes. And they're very willing to help people take advantage of that. But listen to them too. Yes. Jim. Even trying to find a knowledgeable veterinary ophthalmologist can often be a challenge. Uh, Yes, I agree with that. Um, Our original mentor, Jan Fries, had a wonderful lady that had a wonderful understanding of the clumber eye. And unfortunately, she passed away, and and I kind of wandered for a while trying (laughs) to find another. Dr. Davidson. Dr. Davidson's really good. She's in Grand Rapids now. Harriet. Harriet. I can't drive my dogs. To Michigan. to Michigan, yeah. <laughs> and I've run into that. The very first clumber yes. bitch that I had, my foundation breeding bitch, we were at a show. We took her to be surfed to have her eyes examined and certified. And the vet who did it, who had mixed breed dogs, which is great. I love mixed breed dogs, but she did not breed dogs, said, oh, she has punctate cataracts. You need to spay her right now. And I was in tears because I thought, this is a veterinary ophthalmologist. She must know what she's doing. So I surveyed three other veterinary ophthalmologists, including Dr. Wheeler that Jim was talking about, who was wonderful with clumbers, and all of them said, no, no, this is a non-progressive disease. It's never going to hurt the dog. You can breed her. I was that close to spaying my foundation bitch. So veterinarians are human beings with different backgrounds and different experiences and different capabilities. You have to find someone that you're comfortable with, that you trust and is knowledgeable. Just like any other In industry. anything. Yep. Could be yep. a plumber. Yep. you got to find a good one. Yeah. Your own well, doctor, too. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they have specialties. And not every single veterinarian in the pet community is accustomed to working with breeders, is yep. accustomed to working with rare breeds, is accustomed to some yep. of the issues that are specific to each breed. So that's yeah. the you recommendation. Go to a vet that is open-minded. I've never seen a clumber before. Tell me about it. Right. That's where you want to go. Take I'll that do deer vet letter. Take, yeah. Yeah, take <laughs> the deer. I always do yeah. that. I yeah. send it to all my puppy people. Take that deer veterinarian letter to them. I've had, you know, hey, talk to this vet in the area. They've seen okay. clumbers. Yeah. So our final topic is judging the clumber spaniel in the confirmation ring. So we've talked about living with them, vetting them, hunting them. So now let's talk about judging them. Because, again, this is not your average sporting dog, long, low, and substantial, 9 to 11 from the withers to the base of the tail, not from the point of the forechest to the point of the buttocks. Exactly. Heavy head, furrowed brow. Unique eye. Yes. Yes. For me, when you've been in the breed for a long time and you have an understanding of what's rectangular and what's correct for your length to height proportions, it becomes easy. It's the training, in a sense, of a lot of the new judges that are coming into the breed because they see rectangular, but it's rectangular from, as Laura mentioned before, point of shoulder to buttocks. It's not rectangular as we measure. So you have to get them to retrain their eye to long enough. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing the Michigan Sporting Dog presentation seminars for a number of years And I'll bring out a dog that has really good proportions as a demo dog to start with. And I have a little yardstick that I've actually made up. It's not a wicket, but it's good for the field. And it has the height, the length, 
I have them measure it, I have them put it on, and then it actually has the proportions on the side. Nice. Mm-hmm. So you can look at it and go, okay, if this dog is this tall, how long right. should, should he be? be? Right. And this is how long he is. And it's really eye-opening to get people to realize yeah. that Their eyes we really mean long. Yeah. <laughs> long. Yes. And you're never going to find one too mm-hmm. long. Yeah. They're not going to yeah. find one that's too long. Yeah. They may be a little too short-legged, and I never thought yes. I'd say that yes. until I had one. Yes. yes. I have yeah. seen a few that I think, oh, that could use a little. Just a little, little yeah. They're not a Sussex, yeah. so we have to be careful about that. But I think that, that there's it, a lot bigger problem, and they're too short-backed. Yeah, I was at a specialty a couple of years ago, and I found it really telling, because I was sitting in the bleachers just watching, and a young lady was watching who wasn't a clumber person. Mm-hmm. She was just watching, and she said, Boy, that second dog is so much longer than all the rest of them. And I said, the second dog is correct. So it's hard. If judges don't have correct dogs brought to them, they don't learn to see what correct is. And happily that day, the judge found the correct dog and put him up for best of breed. Okay, so two things that I hear from judges, that they misunderstand eye shape. shape. So I want to talk a little bit about that. And they misunderstand showmanship and that the bounciest one isn't the right one. Bounciest personality. Or the best groomed is doesn't have the best front. A lot of the clumber roll. Yes. The clumber roll versus the clumber Clumber trampoline, which is what I talk about. And Jan and I were just talking about this. The trampoline. I'm going like, yeah, that's exactly. They roll. This is side to side, not up and down. I had somebody say, well, you got to go really, really slow so you can see the clumber roll. No. <laughs> you can go at any speed and you'll see that clumber yeah. roll. If it's correct. If, if it's correct. It. Yeah. Not the bouncy, bouncy, but if it's correct, yeah. you should be able to see that clumber roll. Jim? This breed has improved so much in its conformation and its structure yeah. in the last 30 to 40 years. And Entirely. There are a couple of judges out there that I won't even exhibit a dog to anymore because they insist on this breed basically being walked. walking yeah. and our breed has progressed so much to the point where they are so much sounder so much more correctly exactly. put together yeah. that i don't want to see a dog raced around the ring i don't think that's yeah. the proper no. speed for a clumber. No. we belong at the end of the group line we should have that nice almost a long-legged walk for me personally yeah. but but I it's hate, a steady trot for the a, dog. It's a steady yeah. movement for the dog. And to penalize our breed and to make our breed try to make it move like it was 30 yeah, years ago, go. they're out of touch. This is a breed yeah. that can move effectively and should yeah. be given that opportunity. There's a judge yeah. who says, walk them. They are the gentleman's hunting dog. And I always want to say to that judge, the hunter may be not moving quickly, but the dog, the dog is, is covering five, five times, times as much ground. The dog is not walking in the field. The dog is trotting at a steady pace, doing the job it's bred to do. And I've often asked them when they tell me to walk, and since I'm short, I have short (laughs) legs, it makes my dog look ridiculous (laughs) with me trying to walk. But have you seen these dogs in the field? Right. Yeah. Have you actually seen them hunt? Watch them work, and then you can better judge the breed. So. They need to watch the field. And it's amazing getting out in the field and watching the clumbers. Yes. They're a whole different dog in the field. Without doubt. (laughs) You know. (laughs) And the only other one that I wanted to speak to very quickly, because it's something I'm starting to see more and more, and that is full tails. And how that, that. right, Jan and I talked about that a week or so ago, how that changes your eye of the dog and the proportion. So can you guys speak to that? 
you're seeing more and more dogs with the natural tail. And some of the judges are thinking, oh, this is a much longer dog because of the tail. It's, it's the perception of what you see. It adds length. So a dog that doesn't have the long tail but is long. It's and not a shorter dog. It's yeah. not a shorter dog because it doesn't have the natural tail. Yeah, right. Or as a breeder, I'm going to leave my the tails on because it makes the dog look longer. <laughs> no, it don't. Well, it does, but it yeah, doesn't it actually does make, make them, them longer. longer. No. Jim, your thoughts on this? Because I know you see a lot out there in your area with and without. Right. And when I close my eyes and I envision my ideal clumber spaniel, it has a duck tail. On the other hand, from early on when I started judging the breed, I have put tail dogs up. I have never penalized the dog no, because no. it has a tail. We've been docking them for 250 years, and it's never been a concern as to so much about carriage or coat quality and type. And there is a wide variety yeah. of carriage and coat quality yeah. and type yeah. because mm -hmm. we never look for it. Right. You know, right. you we had, didn't select for you it. had four yeah. inches and that was yeah. what you had. So those are important things too. And we don't have a great description of what a clumber tail should yeah. look like. There and are some that are much better than others. Yes. Yeah. And if you'll remember Mrs. Billings, one of her biggest things about a clumber was if it carried a high tail. My, that dog is proud of its tail. <laughs> <laughs> so the clumber tail is carried level on the Should be level yes. to the spine. The carriage is the same. Yeah. Yes. Rather Puppies can be accepted. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but that is a part but, of that picture. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's not yeah. a cocker tail. It's not you a know, It's tail. not an English cocker tail. No. It is right no. off the bat. No. Mm -hmm. Anything else that you guys would like to add on the wonderful smushiness of clumbers? If you think you're interested in a clumber, I think every breeder out there, I'm pretty sure, I know the club recommends it, go and meet them in their home environment. You will be jumped on, you will be slimed. I had a dog that had to have a surgery and the senior student was reporting to me and she said, oh, he's so much better. He love mauled me this morning coming out of the kennel. I thought, it's the perfect description. I mean, we're apologizing to the staff all week at the hotel because the puppies are jumping all over everybody they see because they love people. They want to be yes, part they of the family. Be they need sweet, to be part of the family. Mushy, yeah. cuddly. Exactly. Aggression Happy, and a charming is wrong. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you yep. will find wrong. some... They might have to are, think about you for a minute, and then they're going to love yeah, Malia. That yeah, are so, yeah. a little reserved yeah. and would prefer, wait a minute, let me take you in before you maul me. Yeah. And I've seen where kids just run up and want to No dog you. likes that. Yeah. And yeah. the dog steps back and goes, oh, my God, this kid is going to kill me. No, but, I mean, overall, but, they're, yeah, they're overall. charming characters. If you can deal with the hair and the slobber, mm -hmm. you'll never have a better family member. You just yes. won't. And they get along with other breeds of dogs. Mm -hmm. yep. They can grow up with kids, with any kind of dog. Cats, if they grow up with them. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much to our panelists. We thank appreciate you. your time. And have Look a wonderful national. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Good Dog is a secure online community that advocates for dog breeders, educates the public, helps informed puppy buyers connect directly with certified good breeders, and promotes responsible dog ownership. Good Dog is offering its good breeders special advanced access to the video recordings and transcripts for the full three-part Q&A webinar series with Dr. Hutchinson. All you have to do is sign up as a breeder at gooddog.com dot com slash join. 
That is G-O-O-D-D-O-G dot com slash join. Or click the link in the show notes.